And welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships, and life itself. Today we are talking about redefining the role of retail, natural food stores as resource centers for health. It's a very interesting phenomenon. Market data has shown that for decades, the number one reason of why people shop at natural food stores is health. And what they walk out with is food. And beyond food, in many communities, natural food stores are truly community resource centers, addressing personal health, community health, offering culinary connections, and help steering the future of sustainable agriculture. At a recent seminar with health food store managers, organic farmers, and other leaders of the organic movement, the team here at An Organic Conversation, Helge Mark and Sita, asked the question, what's possible? In this hour, we are asking the question on the air. What's possible? Redefining the role of retail, natural food stores as resource centers for health. That and more today here on An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Pulkehi. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. So interestingly enough, we always do a little week in review at this point in time of the show. And I was looking at TV the other day, which is pretty rare, but I saw this great piece on and it was about us. It was about <laughs> this very seminar that Helga just brought up in the intro of the show about the Passion, Purpose and Produce Seminar, where we brought in 20 retailers from all over the country of all ages. It was a beautiful mix of people and, and brilliant minds and people willing to be in a conversation about what's possible. It was just a fantastic experience. And it was one of the multiple pieces of press that came out of this. The Packer, which is an um, industry... Produce, produce industry produce, Yes, Produce uh-huh. Industry Newspaper did an article on it. And, and Helga, you in particular were part of the interview by the local television station. What about this phenomenon that you talked about at the beginning of the show made it such an interesting piece for them to come out to Earl's Organic to interview you amongst other people. Well, this is the San Francisco Bay Area where this show is produced, where we held the seminar and where you have an unusual climate and growing season at the heart of California, which is producing most of the food in the country uh, or for the country. So it, it is really one of the heartbeats of this area is food. And I think there's a a general public interest in what's going on in food and of course particularly in organic because it is now even though by far not mainstream throughout the country yet but in this region every new restaurant features local fare organic is is more than a hype word it's really part of the lifestyle at this point agriculturalists farmers embrace this we have the first all organic produce county in the country which is marin county just north of san francisco so this is kind of the epicenter of the organic movement from many angles and many other cities have followed suit you can find the organic lifestyle and organic fair in other areas of the country and so i think even mainstream tv is now becoming aware of its progressive character rather than just being you know a fad or a hype this is truly interest and i've seen this over the last six eight years now organic stories are becoming actually the norm in public newspapers and on tv well spoiler alert we have a special guest in the studio with us (gasps) 
What? Again this week, <laughs> Earl Herrick, the godfather of organic produce himself, owner and founder of Earl's Organic Produce, is here. Welcome to you, Earl. Mm, good and to be here. this was a really special thing, actually, to have 20 plus natural food retailers from around the U.S. and Canada come to the Bay Area and then come and do a tour at your store and then to have local television come and pick it up. What was, what did you think was the importance of having all of this come together? The food culture in San Francisco is huge, incredibly mature, incredibly important, uh, setting the, the stream of events that go on throughout the country and the world. And for us to be part of it, which we are, and then to be, be able to exercise that and have this warehouse to be a showcase, it's, it's a fairly new warehouse, as you may know from, from February. And to, and to be able to show this, well, I'll say hand-picked group of professionals from around the country and to get their feedback and to kind of show it off it was something I didn't want to pass on. <laughs> well, and you know, the fun part of it is, Earl, is you and I used to shop the dock together back in our younger days. And it was fun to be talking to these people. And I was walking through and said, see how many varieties of this is here? This is what I used to get to do every single day. And they were like dumbfounded at just the choice that was available just in your warehouse at any given time to during the seminar. And I said, this is how I chose produce when I was a produce buyer. These are folks from all over the country. A lot of folks I connected with were from middle America. We're mm-hmm. talking Michigan and Tennessee and Pittsburgh. And uh, they're in heaven out here. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a great group of people and, and it's very transparent what we do there. So again, it is about uh, being in the culture and having it be relevant and then having these folks have that experience not just the walk but but within the environment of the seminar going down to the warehouse having all the interactions that we had and Sita with, with the TV station your question of why they were interested I think it's undisputed and at this point even celebrated the connection between healthy food personal health environmental health sustainability it is really accepted and embraced at this point and so this is a public health topic really having this seminar and for us to look at the question of what's possible for retail to become that community uh, resource center just 300 years ago the marketplace was the place for a community to come together and gather and more than the commons uh, it was really the place of exchange of information of talent of services of health and nutrition and food of course retail stores are that now and so the tv questions from the reporter were actually almost directly geared to that it seemed like he really understood what retail stores can address and he was asking you know how's health connected to that directly and so food and health are one and the same topic at this point as a society and that's of course tv worthy so very beautiful that they picked it up well there you have it that's the week's review it's about something we did and that Mm -hmm. might be a little gratuitous but we do have to say we find it very rewarding to be a part of a a leadership community that's helping to encourage more health happening at your health food store, wherever Mm -hmm. it is in the country. Yeah, and not gratuitous. I I think I would say finally. (laughs) (laughs) Redefining the role of retail natural food stores as resource centers for health. That was the topic we asked about two dozen industry leaders, natural food stores from around the country and Canada to come together for a seminar that the team here at an organic conversation held in Mill Valley in California, Northern California, just north of the beautiful city of San Francisco a couple months back. And today we're talking about that seminar and the role of retail in community in this hour. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helber. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. That and more when we come back right after the break. 
Stay tuned. Spicely Organics offers more than 200 different organic spices and dried herbs to choose from. Classics like oregano and cumin, exotics like aji amarillo, and blends like tikka masala. Spicely helps nourish your body while embracing sustainable, eco-friendly, and ethical practices always. Take wellness into your own hands and creativity into your own kitchen. Spicely Organics, teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at Spicely.com. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Okay. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Our topic in this hour is redefining the role of retail, natural food stores as resource centers for health, addressing truly more than just personal health, community health, offering culinary connections, and even help steering the future of sustainable agriculture. Mark, there's an interesting phenomenon going on. People walk into natural food stores, and I think for 30 years, the number one reason of why market data shows is they're looking for health. And what you see them walk out with is food. And they're kind of left on their own to make that connection directly at home, to know what to do with it, to know what it addresses. You've been consulting with natural food retailers for over 20 years. You had the idea of creating the seminar that we held for the industry to address the question of what's possible. How is the face of health food stores changing and what it what does it need to change into what's possible natural food stores in the next 10 years? What prompted that? It's interesting by working so closely with all my clients and being in so many stores over the years. About 10 years ago, I realized that when I was walking into stores, I was lonely. Mm. And I know that sounds really mm. weird, but I was lonely. I was missing an experience that... No matter how good they did, no matter how well they they did they did produce or how well they did retailing, there was something missing for me, and it was a fuller experience. And so I, when I say I was lonely, it's like I wanted someone to play with, and I wanted someone to engage me in a way that I've never been engaged in the retail market or only slightly. And I think stores do a good job, and I realized that we could be doing a, just an amazingly great job. And so... I came up with this idea for Passion, Purpose, and Produce, and then I, of course, ran it by you two, and then it got even bigger and more profound and stronger and better, and then we invited Earl in, and then we started looking at who we're going to have in the room, and it just it's become it became an experience that was actually life changing for many people. Well, and in a lot of ways, what it evolved into from this beautiful seedling of an idea that you had a decade or more ago was kind of the whole show an organic conversation translated into an in person week long experience because it start I mean, it's called passion, purpose, and produce, but it's really everybody who is in the organic movement in some capacity, whether they have a natural food retail store, whether they run 
run a company that is related to organic food. And farmers. Farmers. We had mm-hmm. farmers there. And, and what we did was look at our own consumer experience. Just like you were saying, Mark, you were lonely. I often feel like when I'm looking at a beautiful piece of produce, I want somebody to play with, like you've said, who's going to say to me, you know, strawberries are amazing right now. And they're so good with an aged balsamic vinegar, which is on special in aisle three. Like I want somebody who's imaginative. So we got together and we looked at all the different pillars of what we value and also what we talk about on the show and used them as consumer experiences for how to create a more amazing shopping experience. Yeah, and in society and culture, I would say 99% of all food is bought at a store level. There are farmer's markets and then there are some boxes and you pick. But really, at large, by far the most food is transferred from the field to the private home at the end through a grocery store. And for this movement, the natural food stores have a critical role in this movement to be a voice and and a change agent, because in in the many panel discussions that I've been invited to over the last 10 years, never once was a natural food store owner or manager invited. And yet, that's the place of community coming together around health, around community health as a resource. I do think it's the place where health happens, just like you said, Helga. Well, and you know what I think we're all really proud of is in the room, many of the people who were in the room were asking, why am I here? And there were produce managers and deli managers and farmers and marketing people and and people from all over and all spectrums of the industry. And they wouldn't have necessarily been in the same room together in a, in a different place. And they were wondering why they were there. And yet, once they got into the conversation, they realized exactly why they were there. How it's all into Why they were invited. Yeah. They understood their vital role in what the community experience is of health and mm-hmm. food. Food is the vehicle for health. And so now what we'd like to do is have join us on the line is Dan Arnett, the general manager from the Central Co-op in Seattle, Washington, who is one of the, the visionaries who we had at the seminar and who was so articulate in the way that he could just bring a thought through during the seminar that we wanted to have him on to talk about his experience and his role in retail um, right now. So, Dan, uh, Dan, are you there? Yes, sir, I am here. Well, welcome. (laughs) What's it like in Seattle today? (laughs) Welcome, Dan. Well, it seems to be of two minds. It's uh, bouts (laughs) of cloudy and sunny that are kind of oscillating, but it feels like the, the fall season is starting to sit in you can you can feel it in the air it's mm-hmm. got the, the right smell and whatnot i think we're exiting summer at this point <laughs> ah and i love it every bit of it so dan let's yeah. jump in uh you were a part of the seminar you you were a wonderful part in addition to have with all the everybody else there and so as a general manager as a member of the community as a, as a community leader what do you see as your responsibility to your community as a natural food store well, I think um, for us, obviously, uh, being a cooperative, we're we're a not-for-profit that's owned and operated and used by the community. So it's a little bit of a difference from what you might see in other formats. But I think in terms of being a natural food store, I think we have a responsibility to sell a kind of food that we would eat, that we would serve our family, we'd serve our own children. I think it's important that natural food stores stand for something more than profit margins. I really think people expect that from us and should. I think we have a responsibility to be champions when it's appropriate. And uh, currently Central Co-op has uh, started a push to ban uh, neonicotinoids from the use in uh, 
the city from uh, Seattle government, and I think that's going to pass. We've got a lot of folks on there, so that sort of thing can happen. Sometimes you do have to engage outside of your business. Also, I think having good jobs that uh, invest in people, that help them find career paths, and that you know they can be uh, more capable of starting their own business or participate in the economy if they leave or if they stay. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, when you're in a natural food store, uh, there's a couple of things. One of them is trust. I think when people think about the food system, they hear all these news stories where it's failed them, where there have been mistakes made, where the regulations uh, may or may not be adequate. But I think for us, we're a place people want to have as a, a, a last uh, bastion of hope that they can have trust in their food system, and that's really important. Absolutely. It's also important that we support a dignified relationship between humans and the rest of the ecosystem, because it where we're, our happiness and abilities predicated upon the health of that. So those are things, I think, that set us apart in a way. Absolutely. And, sure. Helga, you, it, sounds like, it looked like you wanted to uh, make a comment. Were you wanted to make a comment on the pesticide that they're, that they're trying to ban <laughs> in Seattle? Common in all of it. No, but you go ahead. <laughs> no, well, so that pesticide that Dan's talking about is a pesticide that, that's been found to be one of the leading causes of the bee collapse, and they're finding direct correlation. In, in Europe, they've actually banned it. They won't allow it to be used. And in the United States, we haven't done that. So for the city of Seattle and for Dan's store, the central co-op, to be a champion for that is a huge deal for agriculture in Washington. Well, it's a good example of the leadership that's happening from people who are in the natural food and organic food movement, because I know that the Fry's, Fry Vineyard up in Mendocino County, were really instrumental in Mendocino County, creating a law that eliminates GMOs from the food supply from the things that are grown up there. And the fries were also a part of the seminar. So it's just an example of, of the leadership that comes out of this movement. I, I had a question about the, the use of the pesticide, Dan. What, what, what's, what's the application? They're using it on the landscaping and yeah. whatnot through mm-hmm. uh, school system, government buildings, etc. So this is not a measure that will eliminate the sale or use completely, mm. but it will take one of the biggest uh, users out of that system. So uh, you see that now. I think the national park system is also looking at uh, phasing that out. So for us, it's it's at least getting a foothold on progress, Mm -hmm. but it won't it won't eliminate the problem of colony collapse. But I do think it's going to be a a step in a good direction and will make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. On the phone today with us is Dan Arnett, the general manager of Central Co-op, a natural health food store in Seattle. And in the studio here is Earl Herrick with us today, the owner of Earl's Organic Produce, one of the leading wholesale distributors for organic produce in the country. In this hour here on Inorganic Conversation, as we're asking, what is the possibility, the changing face of health food stores, redefining the role of retail, really natural food stores as resource centers for health for the community. And what you're shining light on, Dan, already through these initiatives that you're mentioning, natural food stores are community leaders. I would say it's fair to state that we're spending the most time of our lives either at home, at work, or at 
the grocery store. I see way more people walking in and out of our local health food store than at City Hall or the Civic Center. How often do you go to your Civic Center? Maybe two, three times a year. And you go to your grocery store almost every single day, definitely every other day. Some people might add church or nature to that as a really important component of their lives. But between those three or four, really the health food store or the grocery store, period, and for this movement, the health food store has an amazingly important role as a change agent and shaping community and being that place where people gather and where initiatives are launched and where nicotinoids can be banned, for example, as one of the many examples of what has been implemented and created through natural food stores. Really looking at the role beyond food that you just mentioned, that of course, the best food that you would feed to your own family and your own children and standing for that and holding that responsibility. What role does your store fill? What role does it have? Where do you see the the responsibility that natural food stores can play in their community? Well, I think uh, you're absolutely spot on about the gathering place. I think markets have served that function since there's really been civilization. And uh, we've lost a bit of that, but I think in the natural food stores, it's still very much alive. Farmers markets, it's alive. I think for us, because of that, when we think about the people gathering, I think it's important that we uh, act as a storyteller. I think when you think about it as a resource, we could put up a bunch of factoids, which we do, uh, or we could provide people with an app that helps them search things out and whatnot. But I really think the most powerful thing we do is the way we tell the story of the food, like connecting people and, and also making them a participant in creating the story. So an example, you may say, well, here's this lettuce and it has these nutrients or whatever, but you can also tell the story of the farm. What are their practices? How are they stewarding the land? Why is that important? What's the economic impact locally? Who are the people that grew the food? They don't often have the opportunity to tell their own story. If you're a farmer, and I know Earl deals directly with farmers too, you know, these guys have a very tough job. It takes a lot of attention. They don't always have time to get off the farm and go tell their story. But we're in the store. That's where people are gathering, and we can help tell that for them and help engage people in uh, being part of that story. So I think this is important because if everything is gloom and doom or it's just a bunch of factoids, people are so bombarded, I think, with facts, figures, marketing. You know, it's just we're awash in uh, data overload in society. Going back to a story that's fun and engaging helps get the message across, and that's our primary role in the system, I think. That's mm-hmm. wonderful. It very much resonates with me, what we are doing here on an organic conversation. You usually read about agriculture when it comes to drought or when it comes to the farm bill or when it comes to issues around agriculture. Few places are there to give voice to the beauty of agriculture. And Earl, I want to bring you in on that because that's what you really have embraced for years now through your website and Facebook and your Pinterest accounts. And you really tell the story of the farmer and the beauty of produce, whether that's slicing a purple tomato or potato and showing the inside, but really just communicating the beauty and the farm story and maybe even the hardship, but really the full story of the land for years. I think what I heard what you were saying, Dan, the word that caught my ear was engaging, and that's what you want the story to be. And there's such a wonderful, full story that a, that a farmer has because it's, it's shrouded in mystery 
for, for many people. All, all we know is that all of a sudden is on the shelf. And to be able to make that conduit, to connect that to everyone, to that source in whatever way we can, I think the retail market has a unique uh, opportunity. And, you know, the other day we were in a conversation, Dan and I and his marketing manager, Susanna, and his produce manager and assistant manager, Jen and Shelby. We were talking and we were talking about how do we change that story? Because everybody's got pictures in their store. Everybody's got a little factoid, like Dan was saying. And we said, what is it that people really want to know? And they want to know something that's going to create a connection. And they had a farmer from their meat department. And he says, he's a grass farmer who raises cattle. (laughs) And I thought, now that right there just drew me into that meat department, right? Mm -hmm. You could have told me a hundred things. And they had more information that they could give about that. But that right there was the thing that allowed me to have a connection with that person right there. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. We are joined by Dan Arnett, General Manager of the Central Co-op out of Seattle, Washington, and Earl Herrick, the founder and owner of Earl's Organic Produce, a premier wholesale distributor of solely organic fruits and vegetables in the country in this hour where we're looking at the question of what's possible redefining the role of retail natural food stores really claiming their role as resource centers for health that was the title of a seminar the an organic conversation team held just a couple months back and it's the question we are now discussing on the air in this hour stay tuned we're taking a quick break but there's so much more to come Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards, Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Today we are talking about redefining the role of retail, natural food stores as community resource centers for health, for culinary connections, and for even the sustainable farming movement at large. We're joined in this hour by Earl Herrick, here in the studio with us. He's the founder and owner of Earl's Organic Produce, one of the premier wholesale distributors of organic produce in the country, and Dan Arnett, the general manager of the Central Co-op, joining us today from Seattle, Washington. So, Dan, before we went to the break, you were talking about the value in being storytellers in your community and how you have this responsibility to be a place where people can really go to to trust what's happening in their food system, to learn about the dignified relationships that are being built throughout the food system and what their role is, and and your responsibility in communicating those things. I want to touch on health, though, because, you know, we talked at the beginning of the episode about how this is the number one reason that people buy organic is because of its 
its health impact. So you've you've mentioned that there are a lot of factoids and a lot of pictures and things that are trying to educate consumers, but there is also a lot more that can be done to help make that connection, to make that health connection with consumers for the number one reason that they come into your store. What do you see that to be? What do you see as the opportunities for how you and your store and other natural food stores can fulfill that for consumers? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is make sure that, you know, we had the purpose, passion, and produce. I think you got to make sure that the purpose and the passion are built in. If, if the purpose is there, that means that you're going to start off with some product standards. So you're going to help make it easy for people. I don't necessarily want to trash anything, but I would say that there are some foods that we know are harmful. And if something reaches a certain threshold, we just don't sell it. And we make that up front and we tell people we're not a place where you're going to necessarily get every single thing you might imagine is on the market. You know, we're going to, we're going to edit and we're going to tell people why we edit and how uh, and let them help inform that. I think we need our staff to know. So that means training people. What does it mean to sell healthy food and to make sure that it's good for people? So there's a, there's a little bit about making sure those individuals are invested in as storytellers. I think you also have to partner uh, at some level with people that are doing research. I think that's something we can all do better at, but there's a lot of bad research that goes around. I've seen in the past things that that would have never passed muster. It would say organic is the same or there's no benefit, and and it's just baloney. And, of course, now we see that there's substantial research that shows the exact opposite. And I think the difference is is where did the money come from, what's the motivation behind it. For us, it can mean championing research that, actually tells a real story as opposed to being financially motivated. And I think we see more of that now. We do uh, use our Facebook, we use uh, Twitter, we use our website to try to get those type of messages out there because they're not always at the forefront of the media. I think it's important for us to help get people access to things, to help vet things. You know, we can't be a be-all, end-all, and of course most of us are small, medium enterprise, so we we really need to leverage linkages. I know health food stores sometimes are part of a larger association, cooperatives in the country. Many of those are organized into the National Co-op Grocers Association. So for us to get the message about health across in a good way sometimes requires that we really link with other people that do similar things and that we link with farmers, that we link with local universities, uh, other personalities, and really build community that way because we, we certainly don't have a pool of ready capital always to draw on. So I think it's really important that we play to our strengths and that we work with other people that complement those. But I I don't think it's a simple thing. Health is, uh, you remember when they would say uh, eggs are bad, then eggs are good. I think at some level we can draw on history. We can draw on like um, food anthropology. So what have people done for thousands of years and why? You know, what kind of things have worked there and help people tie into some of those older traditions I think sometimes we have to deal with cutting-edge research that comes from now, and we have to be literate enough to understand what it is. So uh, we, we can't replace people's physicians, naturopath, whatever, but we can help get people familiar enough with basic understanding and give them reason to find interest in things we know are better. We know that lettuce is better than a Cheeto. So we've got to find ways to make sure people understand that you're not going to sacrifice flavor, you're not going to sacrifice fun or aesthetics by eating healthier, that it also has those values, and we can help people learn how to prepare it in a healthful way. 
Yeah, you're making an excellent point, Dan. It seems like when you walk into a health food store with even that mindset that food food is medicine and we are what we eat and everything that we know in society now about healthy eating, when you walk into a natural food store, more often than not, it is kind of assumed that you know that and that you know the nutritional profile of, of a beet or a carrot and what it will address, what ill health it might address or help you bounce back from and what it, why is it good for you. And Sita, you're a holistic chef. You make those culinary connections between food groups. You bring in the nutrition aspect, the health aspect in your work, but doesn't seem to be grounded in the general presence of uh, a natural food store. So during that seminar, we came up with fantastic ideas of concierge services, uh, of, of departments that are geared towards different age groups like seniors because they have different nutritional needs than young people or athletes or women or men. So it's just fascinating when, when you, in your mind, build a natural food store from the prospect of health and nutrition first and then design it instead of what you're saying, Dan, a marketplace basically uh, where you where you get products. Earl, raising <laughs> your finger here. Well, you know, a, as you've uh, just demonstrated, Dan, that you have a, just a house of story. Any er, all retail places do, and you know, and um, what I what I also think, I'm sure you'd agree that that a major component is having it be a place of passion. And you know, I th I believe, and uh, perhaps we could agree that you know people play a major part of that. And so to getting the people that, uh, that you want to share that time that you have in that store, it's very important to get energi energized, engaged, passionate people. Would you agree? Absolutely. <laughs> I think that that's really the best place to start. Uh, if people are fun and they're passionate and, and, we, and we have a message of, that this is a place that you can play, that you're welcome, that you're not judged, it's a place of hope. Those kind of things are compelling. Yeah. Uh, people will seek further information and learn, but I think what hooks you is not, hey, there's, uh, you know, I, I think some people go for health for sure. But I think what really gets you excited is being a part of something that makes you feel good, just up front. That's what people tend to pursue, and passion is something that's compelling to people. I remember one of the words that came out of the seminar for me was inviting, creating a place that's inviting. And that's, that's part of what we're talking about. And that's what we're talking about in this hour, redefining the role of retail, natural food stores as resource centers for health for the entire community, claiming their role as change agents. That was the question or the topic that we asked and stated in a recent seminar that the Organic Conversation team held just north of San Francisco, accompanied by two dozen leaders of the organic movement from around the country and Canada. Sita, making those culinary connections, bringing nutrition in, partnerships with nutritionists, cooking instructors, shopping helpers that walk you through the aisles, explaining people, have you seen that in stores? Is that coming? Is that something that is really catching on? I've seen on? fractions of it, actually. Um, I have a really good friend who's a Bowman College graduate. She's a nutrition consultant, and she actually worked at a natural food store in their supplements department so that when people were looking for specific supplements for their health, she was qualified and had the experience and expertise to make recommendations. I really would like to see more of that happen in the produce level for people to be able to talk about the health benefits of whole foods as opposed to just the health benefits of supplements. So I do think it's coming. 
and it's not uncommon when I go shopping at a store actually because my my cart is usually so filled with all of these colorful pieces of produce that people will ask me mm-hmm. are you by chance a personal shopper because they're attracted <laughs> to those colors they're attracted to what obviously looks like the building blocks of a really healthy diet so I think that those are two indicators that this is something that consumers really desire and then therefore by extension it's something that natural food stores are just on the precipice of offering and Dan I loved your example about you know when somebody comes in and we're trying to educate them about health it's not necessarily showing them a ton of facts but talking about how lettuce is going to be better for you than Cheetos and if we're talking about if we have this understanding and we can engage the consumer on the fact that you're looking for a snack something that you can eat with your fingers while you're watching a movie instead of Cheetos what if you made little lettuce wraps we've got this butter lettuce in season it's really great if you wrap it around a piece of tofu or chicken and have a a natural ranch dressing and it will give you that same satisfying snack but it's going to have a lot better components for health and and energy and I think that those are the kinds of opportunities that are just coming into retail stores that are going to make the connection for people as far as flavor and health is concerned. And I think that's where the possibility comes in. The possibility of all of everybody who works at a natural food store to be a person who invites each customer into a new place in their in the way they shop. And Dan, the reason one of the reasons we asked you to call in is because you are a visionary. You are leading a lot of the innovative things that are happening at your store, Central Co-op in Seattle. And and already even before walking out the door, probably after day one, you already had a ton of possibilities and ideas you were sharing about what you might do differently in your store. So we would love to get a quick recap of a couple things that that have surfaced for you since the seminar about possibilities that you see or things you plan to implement to help redefine your store's role as a resource center for your community? I have to say, to be fair, we've got a very strong team here, so, you know, they made me look good. They're really good people. Um, (laughs) That you do. You have a very strong team. That'll happen. Yeah, Dan came with three other members from his team. He did, and it made all the difference, too, I think, to see them all brainstorm together and see what kind of connections they can make before going back home. So, Dan, you were saying... important, uh, you know, to have uh, everyone kind of aligned around that as opposed to it's a one-person show. For us, we're stronger together. We believe that, and I think it's true. But in terms of what we're doing, a lot of things have already happened in terms of uh, just making sure that uh, internally our people can be uh, excited. I mean, we, we may not all be as passionate as Earl. <laughs> He's pretty much a 10 out of 10 on that, but we can get people to move that dial towards where Earl's at. And oh, you got you got uh, a couple. I know you do. <laughs> oh, we do. We do. I'll give you does. an example. We did the same thing from the seminar with some of our staff with the Adriatic figs. Oh, great. Outstanding. <laughs> we couldn't keep them in stock. I mean, because people yeah. got to the point they're so passionate about the things, they're wanting to tell people about them, and that excitement's contagious. So that's one thing that I think that really came out of that seminar is, how do we create this sort of infectious sense of excitement and passion about these products? And another thing that uh, we're looking at to do with people is to help them really uh, discover a lot of the mysteries that are still in the familiar. And that's something that I think when we tried apples out at the seminar, and I've had a lot of apples in my day, I thought I knew them. And I said, well, try the top, try the bottom. try the... And I found that there's just this wealth of complexity and subtlety in this in this food item, I thought, well, sure, this is a, you know, kind of commonplace, I mean, very familiar thing, and I found there was a whole world of experience still in something I'd been around for my whole life. 
So whether it's something like Adriatic figs, not everyone's had, or whether it's an apple, I think we can really get to know our food and share the joy in that discovery with other people. And that's something we're bringing in, and I see a lot more smiling faces, and I think it's yielding good energy to staff here. That's That spreads to other people. That's wonderful. That's Dan Arnett, the general manager from Central Co-op of Seattle, Washington. Also joined here in the studio are we by Earl Herrick, the owner and founder of Earl's Organic Produce. We're almost out of time, but I do want to get a brief opinion from both of you, Dan and Earl, on sustainable agriculture. We are losing about a million farmers. Half of all farmers in the next 10 years will reach retirement age or are already in retirement age. And so we need a bunch of new, young, excited farmers, that passion that we're talking about translating into agriculture in an economically viable manner, which is happening uh, to some degree in some parts of the country, but really a, a much larger movement, even even larger towards agriculture again and family farms. Earl, I want to start with mm -hmm. you. What do you see is happening there? Is it is it happening and, and how are you supporting that right now? I think it is happening. I, I think it needs to gain more momentum and, and continue. Where I see the biggest impact is at seminars and one in particular that I go to every January is Eco Farm uh, down in uh, Monterey where there's a collection of people from all over the world actually and I'm absolutely encouraged by how many young people are there. What we do as a company is that we, we connect with, with, with not only young people but farmers of all sizes and we, and we walk them through the process of getting that product to market the correct post-harvest handling the correct boxes the kind of information how do you bunch something when do you harvest it and then also also how to actually then transport it to market so we we hold the hand if you will but it's really a partnership that if you can give that sort of support from that ground level you're doing a whole lot not unlike a child you're, you're creating that, that foundation that they can grow on dan what do you what do you do what do you see in, in in the Seattle area? I'd have to say that one of the biggest things that's, that's important if you're really wanting to bring these young folks on is making it something that's not as scary. You know, I think part of it's that uh, over time you see profits decline, etc., and the, the weather's gotten to be more chaotic than really ever in our modern history, and people get worried about that. I think there's some lessons we can learn from the fair trade system about pre-buying or uh, moderating risk in terms of do we just give people a big cash outlay whenever the crop comes in or do we support them through the whole cycle? You know, can we make partnerships where we help moderate risk and we share the burdens that come with the risk of agriculture? And I think that's important. But I also think it's important to make farming cool again. It's sort of like with chefs, and you see the impact the Food Network, I think, particularly had. Now being a chef is a big deal. We've got celebrity chefs. <laughs> Everybody really likes chefs. They all want to be like Sita. You know, they want to be a great <laughs> chef. You know, and that's cool. And I think that farming also is something that we can celebrate and make it cool, too. You know, this, this generation, the millennials, they like to really do things with a purpose, And agriculture has a, a lot of important functions in society. We need to make sure that we respect that, that we honor it, and that we make it cool. We can do that in our stores, and we can tell that story, too. I think it's cool to be a general manager of the Central Co-op. <laughs> that's very cool. Yeah. And everybody it wants is. to be like Sita. So yeah. that's, that's, that's really yeah. it. <laughs> well, and I would, just like to, I would just like to celebrate and honor both Dan, you, and Earl for being the visionaries that you are which creates the possibility for others to be the greatest versions of themselves. 
And it was a true honor to be in the room with both of you and your staffs and everybody who was part of the seminar, Helga and Sita, who brought their whole conversation of what could be and what can be and where we can go and what was possible. And I tell you what, I can't wait to do more of these seminars. And I, I truly am honored to be in the presence of everyone who was there and especially you folks here. It really was a dream come true. Was, thank you, Mark. Mark. Thank yes, you. it was. And thank you, Dan. That's Dan Arnett, the general manager of Central Corp, Seattle, Washington, who joined us in this hour. Thank you, Dan. And good luck. And we'll come up there and, and see what's happening in Seattle soon. Thanks for joining oh, thank us you today. You guys are welcome anytime. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, we'll take you up on thank that. You, Thanks so much. Bye, Dan. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. In this hour of redefining the role of retail, natural food stores truly as community resource centers for health. That was the question we asked or the topic we stated for a seminar that we held for industry leaders from all around the country, including Canada or and Canada, just a couple months back. And that's the topic we discussed in this hour here on An Organic Conversation. Coming up is What's in Season. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Pokehi. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. So we'll be back with more. Stay tuned. Produce is ever-changing. Seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. Spicely Organics' emphasis has long been on the natural health benefits of organic spices. And now, Spicely is excited to share more health benefits with the introduction of their hand-blended organic teas. Choose from black, green, white, mate, oolong, pu'er, and herbals blended with their signature spices like vanilla rooibos, sweet turmeric, and honey lavender. Spicely Organics, teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at Spicely.com. And we are back here at Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palmar. In this hour, we're asking the question, what's possible, as we always do, but this time around redefining the role of retail, passion, purpose, and Produce, a seminar the An Organic Conversation team held a couple months back. Now on the air, natural food stores as resource centers for health. What is possible? What can retail look like in the next 10 years addressing personal health, community health, culinary connections, and the sustainable farming movement? Something, Mark, you birthed up over 10 years ago. Yeah, well, and I really think that we're ready. I think the, I think the stores, I think the retail shopping experience, I, don't, I think customers don't even know what they're missing. And I'm really so excited because of the people who are in the room and because of the willingness to be in this conversation is I think we're going to see retail change and you as consumers are going to go out and find that really the change agents that are leave, that left that room are going to create a retail experience that is going to blow your mind. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And anchoring <laughs> it around healthy food and particularly produce, even though all departments are part of this, and the passion will lead us through it, attracting by being the light. We do want to stay with produce for just a moment more here on an organic conversation this hour, redefining the role of retail, natural food stores as resource health centers. Now, what's up is what's in season. <laughs> Mark, what's happening at the produce dock? Well, <laughs> well, we're fortunate again this week to have Earl in the studio with us. So, and today we're talking about jack lanterns. I mean, Halloween is only a week off, and uh, I'm sure everybody's looking at jack o' lanterns and you know what's going on at the market with them. And let's talk about what's not only going on, but how to choose them, and you know what? Yeah, what's just happening? Uh, jack o' lanterns on the market come in big bins. We're talking just. Uh, size of a small car, perhaps, one of those Italian things. Yeah, Fiat. And, there you go, yeah. Fiat. But now, out here, there's a big uh, Half Moon Base uh, ceremony where they, they judge the largest jack-o'-lantern in the world. But So some of them are too big. They Actually, one jack-o'-lantern will fit on a pallet, which is pretty phenomenal wow. to see. I mean, just a huge gargantuan thing. And we try to get one or two of those a year and, and give those away. And we have, a, we have a couple stores in the neighborhood. But jack-o'-lanterns is what you want to buy when you're carving. And that's what you're doing around uh, Halloween. You definitely got to, this is a perfect get-together. You sit down with your family, everybody get the, the sharp utensils out, sign waivers, and, uh, <laughs> and do your carving. And the, the more imaginative, the better. Now, that, there's a difference between a jack-o'-lantern and, and a, a, a pie pumpkin, a pumpkin that you're going to cook for dessert. And that is that a, a pie pumpkin is, is smaller and it's denser. It got, has a big, thick rind. Well, it has a, probably the same dimensions rind, but it has a big amount of meat inside. Thus, that's what you want to use to cook. The jack-o'-lantern is going to be a gourd. Those are the ones that you uh, get the seeds out of, cut, cut a top, hole in the top. That's generally what people mm-hmm. are doing. And scoop those seeds out and, and go from there. There's a, a lot around, good season for it. Time to buy one is if you waited this long, you still have this last week, but it's time to grab one. So and you're saying it's actually a different species or it's it's just a specific variety or no, out it, of it, like how? It's a different species altogether. Really? Yeah. One is a gourd, one is a pumpkin. Can you still eat the seeds of a gourd? Absolutely. Yes, because we, we roast them at home. And seed is nodding, so yeah. we're approved. There you go. We got, it, we got unilateral. You're but not you out would, of your gourd. But you would, <laughs> never, you would never cook jack-o'-lantern pumpkin. Actually, you can take a pumpkin, and generally, if you picked an, uh, one that's heavy for its size, like we always talk about, it's usually going to have at least an inch of meat in there. And you can slice that up and you could, once you got the seeds out, you can bake it. Now, is it going to be as flavorful as a sugar pie pumpkin? Is it going to be as flavor as some of the other squash? Possibly not, but it's absolutely edible. Definitely. Uh, uh, that makes total sense. Great. Because 95% of the pumpkin crop goes to a uh, canned pumpkin, right? Yep. I mean, we do jack-o'-lanterns and stuff like that, but 95% of the pumpkin crop goes to eating. Mm-hmm. And so... It's just something. It's just something to be aware of. And when you want to, when you're going to pick one out, you want to make sure that you don't get one with a green stem. You want the stem to be, you know, brown or dried because that means it got it stayed long enough on the vine for it to for it to, um, you know, get to its full ripeness 
and get to that place where it's going to actually be at its best. You know, another interesting thing about with pumpkins is originally, you're talking about jack-o'-lanterns, is originally they used to carve turnips. They used to let turnips get that big. And could you imagine carving a turnip that was the size of a jack-o'-lantern? Yeah, I, I just got an acorn squash. And honestly, looking at it, I thought this would make such a cool, dark, <laughs> greeny, you know, get away from the standard orange, which I, I love. But wow, this kind of funky green monster little acorn squash looking. That would make such a cool oh, carved. We could get into the realm of Hubbard's and Buttercups then for real gnarliness. Yeah, yeah. no doubt about Major it. Major gnarliness. That's right. Major so you gnarliness. can carve those. There's no. It's just harder because the skin is, there's more meat to or it. Or there's more say. meat. Yeah, yeah, the more meat, the harder it is to carve. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, one of the things that Earl so and I were fun. talking about before we started the show was, you know, you don't see a lot of organic jack-o'-lanterns. And the part of the reason there is, is because it takes 75 to 100 days before they can harvest them. And they're major feeders. So you have to do a, give them a lot of fertilization. And you can't really get the price because you, we all have to admit as consumers, we look for the cheapest pumpkin that we're going to carve, right? We go out there sure, and we, we look, okay, this one's 29 cents a pound or this one's 39 cents a pound. And then all of a sudden you say, this one's $1.59 a pound for something that weighs 40 pounds. That or I'm something not going like to eat that, anyway. That, yeah. that most, most people are not going to eat. Yeah. And it's really not much of a market out there for organic farmers. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to have good jack-o'-lanterns, but I don't know if you need a $100 jack-o'-lantern. The problem is if you do eat the seeds, you, you know, you do want to make sure it's organic if you can. Well, and, 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 so, and the reason that, you know, that you're bringing up there, Helga, is actually squash are major because they take up for so much from the ground. Yeah. They hold pesticides. They've been known to hold sponges. DDT for years, yes. you know, as, as squash. So that's another reason why you, you may not want to eat your non-organic jack-o'-lantern. Or the seeds. From or the, the seeds, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. There you have it. There you have it. <laughs> okay. Let's go carving. <laughs> I can't wait now. Sharpen those knives. I can't wait now. Yeah. I Great. Love it. It's Halloween season. And get those organic. And alternatively, if you don't want to spend $100 on an organic jack-o'-lantern, get a little organic acorn squash. I really think, or butternut, or what did you say earlier? Yeah, what what well, else Hubbard, is out there right now? Hubbard. Hubbard or butternuts? Yeah. Uh, buttercups, excuse Buttercup, me. yeah. Carnival. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all of those out yeah. there. Yeah. You, or, can, or, you can carve them. You can eat the carvings. You can eat the seeds. And mm-hmm. after Halloween, you can just wash it and Cook it then, eat it then. And it well, ha- it depends on how long you've yeah. left it sitting outside. <laughs> <laughs> and Helga, Very you mentioned point. that one of your favorites is, <laughs> is a kabocha. And Earl, we were talking about buttercup a couple weeks back. Both those would be great carved because they have that nice kind of round boxy shape. Yeah, yeah. And you could put a bunch of those along your, your countertop or out on your porch. You need a chainsaw to cut them, though. Yeah, that's so a brave hard. soul I mean, to undertake that. Yeah, it's hard already to cut. Yeah, but we're know. talking about po- – this is a show about possibility. possibility. Yeah. That's we're not talking right. about what we can't do. We're talking about what we can do. <laughs> and, they, and, they have, and they have those wonderful warts all over them. Oh, yeah, they'd be, oh, they'd be great yeah, little yeah. jack-o'-lanterns. I'd yeah. love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Just wear metal uh, – uh, yep, Chainmail. Chainmail. Exactly. That's <laughs> Chain what I was mail. looking for. So fun. Thank you, Earl. That's what's in season Halloween pumpkins. Yes. Wonderful. And thank you, Earl, for joining <laughs> us in the studio to talk about passion, purpose, and produce and the role of retail stores and redefining themselves as the community health center. My pleasure. And the role of passion. Thanks for bringing that up, Earl, in all of our lives, whatever that means for mm. all of us. Yeah. Wonderful. And that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thanks for listening. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. 
If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helberg, Mark Mulcahy, and Sita Rani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>